welcome to the Soul Deep podcast, where we dive deep into the edges of life where the body meets the soul. Sharing personal stories of struggle and breakthrough, the guests on this show let us know what is up when it comes to healing, happiness, and new heights of pleasure. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. You are in for a super refreshing conversation with men's coach and founder of Not Just a Man, Adil Hussein. In this episode, Adil shares his journey from boyhood to manhood, from the corporate world to the world of conscious masculinity. He talks about the pressure of cultural ideals and breaking through the norm. If you enjoy this episode and you want to get a little deeper, why not become a Soul Deep patron where you'll have access to the after show where in this case, Adil and I, after a Bacardi or two, talk about sex, performance mindset and limiting sexual pleasure. So without further ado, please welcome Adil Hussein. Welcome Adele to the Soul Deep podcast. So excited to have you here. Thank you for having me on. The first question that I would love to ask you is what brings your soul to life? So I did have a think about this. It is reggae and winding my hips to reggae. First thing in the morning, just getting that energy flowing. I fucking love it. I love reggae. I love music. Music sets my soul alight. That and peanut butter, and hummus <laughs> not together though peanut butter and hummus i haven't experienced it together no but maybe i will try after this <laughs> while you're jamming to your reggae oh <laughs> such a beautiful answer and I, no i didn't expect that either and i love mm-hmm. that when um when i was back in london i used to just love getting on my bike and i have my, i would have my speaker in the water bottle part, compartment mm-hmm. and i have reggae just blaring as i'm driving through london and it was just that was my happy place Oh, I love that. Yes, music truly does speak to our soul. Beautiful, beautiful. So before we dive into the episode, um, how about you introduce yourself? Because I'm sure you'll do a much better job than me. Fair enough. That's a good approach. Um, Fine. So my name is Adil. I'm originally from London, born and bred in London. Um, I have spent my whole life in the corporate world, um, living the the dream of working my way through the corporate world, earning more money, dating, relationships, getting into fitness, like just, I guess the, the way that we move through life in, in, in what most would seem as the way they'd like to move through life in this industrial world that we live in. Um, but I soon realized I got to a point where, where I faced a place where I needed to change something because I just wasn't happy. I was mm-hmm. depressed, angry and, expressing some serious toxic traits that I wasn't willing to look at and every relationship would fail and things would happen one after the other and and eventually and we'll go into this shortly I, I stumbled across a point in my life where I realized that I needed to pay something forward to the men out there after I realized a few things about myself um and now I'm working with men. so my, my 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 calling in life my my dharma is to is to help men get out of their own way to encourage them to speak up, tap into their emotions, um, to work on their shadow selves, drop their ego and live a life of love and compassion. 
so beautifully put and this is exactly why I wanted you on the podcast and and I think this session is quite timely to have yourself on here you know I guess under the current climate that we're currently having here with so much uh, awareness around um, masculinity wounds and issues and how that really damages the feminine and and you know I think there is a need most definitely for more men doing the work and here is yourself a men's coach encouraging this brotherhood type movement of emotionally in touch and vulnerable men to step into their potential unashamed and unafraid or unrestricted by the outdated sort of ideals and pressures of patriarchy that only serves you know quote unquote the white man but even then does it really like at what cost yeah yeah so what I'm wondering is you know you kind of mentioned a little bit about how you kind of came to this point where you were like okay something needs to change and you totally flipped the script you went from corporate to let me incorporate some love and brotherhood into the lives of men so what I'm wondering is what was that moment what was that switch and and how did you move from there so I'm going to paint a picture first of all and then uh, that will lead up to the point so uh it all starts when I was born my my parents are originally from India and Pakistan and they came over, you know, first generation in the in the seventies, and they grew up in a time where you know racism was rife. My dad had to kind of fight his way through adolescence and into kind of his own manhood. It's the only way that he knew how to survive. He was a very tough, strong man, and he brought with him these cultural ideals from Pakistan. You know, where men have a particular way. There are a set of expectations that men are meant to live by. And my mum was the same, you know, she was actually meant to get married to someone in the end, she didn't want to marry that person and she ran away with my dad, you know, so my mum is Hindu, my dad is Muslim, they ran away to be together, it's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. um, and they broke their own norms, you know, so they broke that. Um, they had me, we grew up in a place in Southeast London, uh, which, and I grew up with my own kind of racial injustices at the, at the, at the time. Um, but as I grew up, I... I was conditioned to believe that a man had to be a particular way, that when I would grow up eventually, I would be responsible for paying for my sister's wedding, um, because that's what the boys do in the family. I would, you know, need to get married at a very a decent age, like decent is like a young, like 22, 23, 24. They expect that to be the age where you get married, um, to go to university, to get a good job, all of, the, all of these kind of things. They weren't things that I guess they didn't have. Um, but also, you know, men were to live at home with their mum. That's, and the family would join that house and it would become a unit. Uh, um, men were meant to be the breadwinners, all of these kind of things that were kind of there that I, I struggled to really get behind because I grew up in Southeast London. You know, I was mm. born in London. I thought all my kind of white friends that are living their life in their own way. And there's me thinking, what, why have I got to be a little bit different? Why do I have all these expectations on me? Um, I was told that, you know, eventually I'll be man of the house. And I was like, okay, well, that sounds like an interesting position. I don't mind taking up, but I thought it'd come with power and responsibility and, and all the good stuff. Fast forward a few years, my dad left my mum at around 17 and I was just about to go to university. Uh, my sister was 11 and it broke the family. 
broke my mum. She had a very difficult time dealing with it. And I had left university. So my sister and my mum had both left for two men in their lives. I was now told that, son, you need to handle this now. Like you're, you're, you need to be responsible for your mum and your sister. But I was going to university. Um, so I went to university. Um, and at this point, as a 17, 18-year-old, I am a man riddled with insecurity in my, my body, uh, my, my, you know, my looks, um, who I was. I didn't know, who, you know, am I brown? Am I white? Am I, what, what am I? I don't know who I am or what I, and what I stand for. I've been told my whole life um, that I'm too sensitive, that I'm not strong enough, that, you know, man up, like all of these things that just were put on me. Now I'm feeling I've got to be man of the house. While I was at university, I was trying to have the time of my life, um, but I constantly had phone calls from my family saying, you know, there were arguments happening at home. My sister lost her, you know, lost her best friend and her dad. My mom lost her lifelong partner. It was just a, a nightmare at home. And so I eventually decided to come home. I said, mom, I'll come home, I'll get a job, we'll fix this. Um, I felt that was my responsibility. But mom said, no, just come home, but go to a local university so you can be at home. So I felt that I had to be at home. You know, I felt I wasn't sure what would happen in the family to, to my mom. How would she deal? How would she cope? And I, I really didn't know what the state was of her mental health. And I felt that me being at home would, would potentially stop something bad from happening. Um, so I came home and I didn't realize this till a lot later on, but I resented being at home. All my friends were out having the best time of their life. And I'm, at, I'm now at you know, Greenwich University, not a campus university. I just took business just to take a, a you know, uh, some kind of course that I'm doing something, I'm, I'm at, I've, I can get a degree, fantastic. Um, but I was always, yeah, resentful that why am I at home? I don't want to do all these things. And I ended up emotionally spending, emotionally eating. Um, I crippled myself into debt through eBay and credit cards and overdrafts. And I didn't realize that, again, it's something I realized only maybe the last two months that I was crippling, I was crippling myself through my spending so that I actually couldn't leave home. I had to say oh self-fulfilling prophecy i know it all too well yeah i listened to your to your last ig live um about this exact thing and i hadn't i hadn't realized so all of this is going on i've gone for university i smashed the university i did i did get a really good degree like i came out with the first my, my view was that if i'm going to do the business degree i need to come out and actually just and get this you know if i'm at home i'm not spending all this money i can i can do this um, then got into the corporate world and I'm just doing what everyone does. You go to work, you go out on a Friday and a Saturday, you numb yourself through alcohol and partying and girls. And I was in love with relationships. I love being in relationships, but I didn't know how to hold down a relationship. You know, I didn't know what it meant, what it meant to be in a fully committed relationship. So I would be in one for maybe a year, year and a half and then break up because I would run away from the, from the commitment. I'd run away from the shadow, the reflection that they were putting on me. And I was young, I didn't know any better, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I eventually started doing things like going to the gym and then changing the way that I kind of moved through life and trying to get my health in order because I had a trigger from a girl that I liked, uh, this Scottish girl who ended up telling me that she was getting back with an ex rather than be with me because he was, not only did they have a long relationship together, but because he had biceps and he had these abs and all this stuff. She didn't say it from a, from a bad place. She didn't yeah. mean to say it like that, but she ignited in me this need to get training, you know? Wow. So I did, I'm grateful to her for putting me on this path uh, because I'm, I, I now feel far more comfortable on my skin. Um, 
Fast forward a few more years, I've now gone through many, many years of the corporate world. I've moved my way up the ladder. I've got a car. I've been through more relationships. I've, I still don't know how to be committed, you know, and I can look back and think, my parents never allowed me to bring girls home because it wasn't part of the culture. So I always kept women at a distance. They're girlfriends, not Interesting, part- right, okay. I never saw my, my, my girlfriends as family. It was mm. always taking away my time. And I always felt like my time was split between family, girlfriend, where's my time? You know, mm. so I used to run away. I used to, I used to complain that I haven't got time for myself. And my partners were just looking for to spend more time with me and I would run away, you know? And I was deemed as the nice guy. Like I was nice. There was nothing, I wasn't inherently a bad guy, but my behavior was not in line with that kind of nice guy. I wasn't, I was, it was toxic. I was pushing girls away. I would love affection and attention from other women because all my life I just wanted to be loved. You know, and I look back at my inner child and I can see that I wasn't given what I really needed. And also because of my insecurities, but my looks and, 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 and I wasn't desired. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my looks did change and I became more desirable, um, I craved it more. And that's all I wanted is to be more, more and more desired. So even when I had a relationship with someone that loved me, if someone else showed me attention, I really loved it. And I would, you know, I would do stupid things. You know, cheat on girlfriends and things I'm not proud of. Uh, I don't understand why. I just knew that it was some addicted lover mentality. And I'm doing work on the on shadow work around um, the four male archetypes. Um, and the addicted lover is someone that continuously wants to be loved and, and will always look for the next best high, mm-hmm. you know? And I didn't realize, didn't realize what was going on. Fast forward a few more years. Um, my mom is in a situation where she needs to have surgery on her intestines. And I'm still living at home. So I'm 31 years old. I'm still living at home. Still can't leave. I just got rid of all my debt, which is fantastic. It took me a long time, it took me 10 years to pay off all my debt. <sighs> Sorry, this is this is rambling now, but this... no, this is this is great. I mean, you're in flow. Keep going. There's no limit. So she needs to have surgery. My mum is a drinker and a smoker. And I went with her to all the doctors and 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 spoke to them and said. What is the impact of this surgery on her intestines if she drinks and smokes? They said it's going to be detrimental. She shouldn't do it. Yeah. I was like, Mom, hear this? Like, and this is one thing that I've always wanted my mum is to stop drinking and stop smoking. Um, she's not in the best health. Anyway, she went to hospital, had the operation. I was like, Mom, I'm going to look after you. I know everything about nutrition. I'm going to get you one of the best vegan shakes. I'm going to cook for you. Everything's going to be fantastic. I'm going to get you in back in tip top shape. Um, in the hospital, she was there for three days. She had no drinking, no smoking. She couldn't, right? Mm-hmm. Her mom was a different person. She was doing Sudoku. She was doing crossword. I was having conversations with her. She would remember things. She was saying, you know, it was just beautiful. And I was like, yes, finally, I'm going to get the mom that I've always wanted in the last however many years. This is going to change everything. Anyway, go home. Day two, my mom drinks. Not a lot. She's a small woman. Doesn't, doesn't take my mom to get drunk. And she's in pain. Like, of course, mum, you're in pain. Your intestines have just been ripped apart and put back together again. What is alcohol going to do? A poison through your intestines. Anyway, I got re- really annoyed. Um, didn't understand what was going on or why she would be like this. And some arguments p- continued over the, the course of the next few weeks. And one thing led to another. And my mum just kind of lost it and said, I want you to leave. To both me and my sister. And at that point... I said, you know what? Fine. I've been at home trying to protect you all these years and look after you. And I, I'm fine. If you don't want me to be there, I won't be there. So I left and 
I found a luckily I found a place in a, in a in a house with a with a friend and it was a beautiful house and it was it worked out just well. My sister was quite resentful towards me because she hadn't found a place to live yet and she didn't want to be in that household. But I had to do what I had to do. I had to move out quickly and 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 get away from that situation. At the same time, I'm going through a very difficult time with my ex girlfriend, and I just couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I had treated that girl pretty badly. I had put her through some shit. Um, I had pushed her away. I'd done all sorts. It was all, it was all me. But at the time, I didn't see that, and I just thought that she was just a drain on me, and it was too much for me to handle. So I just, I ran away to Morocco for a week retreat um, for yoga and surfing, uh, just to get away. Just I needed to get away, yeah. and I picked this retreat because I knew it would be full of old people that. It wouldn't be any 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 young temptation. I wouldn't be any, anything like that. But there I met a Reiki healer. And the Reiki healer took me on a journey. Wow. To understand my relationship with my mom and my mother wound. And really it was to get me to look at all the expectations, all of the the love that I didn't receive, all the love that I gave and you know, and and resented and all the resentment and everything. And one of the biggest things she told me was that you can't parent the parent can't move energy upwards through the through our ancestors energy ancestral energy comes down we can only receive from behind and let it take let it go through us she said it was never your responsibility and it never is your responsibility responsibility for anyone else's happiness you know you can only do what you can and the biggest takeaway that i've got from all of that after like going through literally like almost three hours of this was be the love you want to receive mm. all i can do be the love I want to receive and everything will make sense and everything will work out just fine and we did some role play and everything and I literally felt the weight just come off my shoulders and in that moment I knew you know I it was like I had 20-30 years of healing in that in that moment wow. and I completely looked at everything differently all the expectations I felt all of the the things I didn't get all the love I didn't get from my mom or my, or my dad or that, that I really wanted I didn't need it I didn't need it in that moment at all and I was like wow my god this this feels truly amazing and upon reflection over the next few days I realized that so many men go through things because they they think they're expected to be a particular way and they're carved and molded and shaped and they have this pressure from society uh to act a certain way to be tough to be a man to to suppress their feelings because I never thought I never felt that I could express myself to my mom or my sister or my dad or the people around me or my partners but I was also conditioned so much. So I took it away as my mission to enlighten as many men as possible and to encourage them to really just to get the conversation started because I didn't necessarily go through deep, dark trauma. I didn't go through a depression. Maybe I went through like a mini depression. I don't know, but not depression in maybe the more common sense of the word that we, that is going, that we hear now, you know, yeah. the, the darker stuff. I didn't have like suicidal thoughts. And I think I had it, I was lucky that I didn't get to such a dark place and I managed to have this revelation. But how many men aren't speaking to their partners because they're in debt and they can't tell them? How many men, you know, are struggling because they never received love and they don't know how to give love and yet all they do is argue with their partners? You know, how many- it's, it's so true. It's so true and wow. So that's my story. That's why I'm doing this. I didn't, I didn't know where to start. I didn't know what, what to do. I just knew that I had to do something. I started with just, I came back to the UK I actually broke up with my girlfriend because I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't give to her anything. I hadn't done any, any healing work on myself. I didn't, still didn't understand that wound, 
and my, my wound with relationships and, and what I needed there, but I, I healed the mother wound at least. Um, and so I just started running in on online men's circles just to get something started. And all I saw was that when men joined it and they would say, oh my God, me too. Like, oh my, you go through that. That's, I, did, I thought that was just me. Yep. When that moment happens, that's a release. And that's all I needed to know that this is what needs to be done. You know, and now I'm getting my family members reach out to me. People like cousins and people just reaching out saying, I need to talk to you. Or this resonated with me so much. Can we talk, please? So my life is just going in that direction now. And my, I know that my journey is to, is to help other men and to just be the inspiration. I am the story. I can only talk from, and, and, you know, from my own experience. I am also on my own journey with my coaches and, and learning more about my own shadows. And I welcome it. I welcome it. You know, so many men face these struggles. They're alone. They're depressed. They've got all these friends and they still can't speak, to be honest. And I've got friends that when you go out with them or I have been out with them in the past, it's banter, right? You can only really communicate through banter in the, in, in the pub and have a few drinks. If you bring up something a little bit serious, maybe it's not, it's not going to land too well. You know, luckily, yeah. all my, if I get them one on one, I can have a conversation a bit more deep because I love, I like going deep. I want to know how you're really doing. I don't want to know the basic, superficial stuff. I really want to see what's going on. Mm, I know this is a juicy episode, my friends. And if you're vibing, go ahead, take a screenshot, upload it to your story, and tag Soul Deep Podcast so I can see. And if possible, leave a review on whatever platform you're streaming from. This really helps the podcast grow, reach more people and connect like-minded souls. And if you want to go even deeper, become a Soul Deep patron for as little as £1.11 per month, where you'll get access to exclusive Soul Deeper sessions with the guests on this show where we spill juicy tea and give you free love, guidance, and advice. Search Soul Deep Podcast on Patreon and join the community. Oh, incredible, Adele. Like, your story is super powerful and super relatable as well. I mean, it's totally unique to you and you know, this kind of theme and this thread that you had in your life from such a young age of the world literally on your shoulders, telling you what your job here is in this lifetime without you agreeing to any of it, but just accepting that. And such a weight that that would have been to carry throughout all of your sort of your inner evolution throughout, you know, from being a boy to a teenager to a man and then that pressure and it's just the perfect example of how truly the you know patriarchy and this kind of um system that we have in this sort of cultural societal shared belief system does not serve anyone and you know what I see in in your story as well is like this this desire for deep deep connection that is a human trait that is non-binary that is just there where humans were here to connect and filtering that with the the inherited set of beliefs and narratives that you're a boy you're a man therefore you're not here to feel deeply you're here to do all the classic 
providing and the holding and the powering through and then how that reflected in your relationship with yourself like that was cut off and then all of a sudden you find yourself in these containers of relationships and there here we go again the pat the pattern is running and it's such a it's such a insidious like low-key pattern and it's it's in so many people because it's ingrained in society and it's it's incredible that you know what what I find really inspiring is the synchronicity in in your story of when you kind of just reached the end and you said okay right you know what I'm doing the best that I can right now and the best that I can do right now is go in this goddamn freaking retreat so I'm gonna do me for like the first time in my life, like I'm going to move out of home. I'm going to do me for the first time because up until that point, you had been doing what you were told you had to do. Essentially, you go on this retreat, you do one thing for yourself, like so deeply for the first time and you meet a freaking Reiki healer. And all of a sudden it's like a scene in Simba and you're like, oh my God, this is the truth. Um, So beautiful. I mean, when I would speak to my family about this, like even now, so they they wouldn't, my mom is very loving. She's loving in her own way. You know, we, I now have a lot better of an understanding of our love languages too. Um, so, you know, her love languages, you know, through gifts and through cooking, you know, mm-hmm. like, and that's fair enough. I didn't appreciate or understand it at the time. But speaking to her and even speaking to my dad, you know, they, I've done a lot of work with them afterwards, but they would never have said, you know, it wasn't like I, I did have the expectation on me, but I was very selfish the whole time i had it so it was a very weird and strange dynamic so for all those years i felt like i had to be at this had to do this and all these things but actually i didn't really do much i resented what would have and could have been put on me but i pushed it away all the time so i had this like toing and froing of like i feel guilty for not being this person that they want me to be but i still feel the pressure of it yeah you know, so I, you know, I wasn't you know they necessarily their chauffeur and driving them around all the time but they did ask me and i did feel like oh why do i have to be because I'm a man why would I do that (laughs) literally it's honestly like it's it is that it's that pressure and the pressure like it doesn't actually have to be a commitment like like you said you didn't do the things so like I'll give you an example of something that I relate to with what you just said that has nothing to do with masculinity but for me right I am super uh, independent and a quite a big introvert as well and I had this sort of pressure put on me yesterday of um, a friend who texts me out of the blue wants to hang out and meet up and it triggered the fuck out of me because I had this all of a sudden this pressure to like share my time with other people right this will make sense in a second but um, I had this pressure of like to give my time and energy to someone who, yeah, they're a cool person, but like my time is sacred. And like, who do you think you are to reach out to me and be like, hey, here's an hour's notice. I'm in your town, come meet me. And I realized, God, how egotistical of me to be in my own head and like see this as someone like stealing me and my energy. And it's so ridiculous, but I had to surrender for 20 minutes, this bullshit idea that, that it's that I have to meet them and that if I did I you know 
my energy would be drained. And I was in this loop of like, well, I can say a no, but then I'll resent myself because I'm being mean and not, you know, sociable and all this kind of thing. I surrendered to it for 20 minutes and I realized all of this is literally just bullshit. Like all the pressure I'm putting on myself and it doesn't matter if I do it or I don't do it. There's guilt and resentment there either way. So it really took surrendering, accepting, either outcome and just being okay with whatever happens in the middle total totally like a minor and mediocre kind of example but I think it kind of represents how we find ourselves in these situations and we put this huge pressure on ourselves no matter what we decide to do and then this manifests as like frustration and like you said resentment and just like complete and total inner disharmony the ego my ego um my ego had a massive part in all of the bullshit just like that that I, that I went through you know mm-hmm. and I, I definitely had an issue with authority I hate being told what to do even now I struggle and I'm working so hard to just be okay with this and a lot of and the healing that I've done now and, and since when looking at my relationships when there would be arguments I would fight the argument to prove a point about how my actions did not and should not have contributed to the way that that person feels which is mm. absolutely right every feeling is valid and now I can look back and think oh my god I'm such a douchebag you know how can you argue against someone's feeling feeling is a feeling if they feel neglected or they feel sad or they feel anything nothing I'm going to say is going to change their mind all of it and think, oh okay no you're right I don't feel sad anymore no, no that's not how it works my ego wanted to win the argument and wanted to, you know, so that I wasn't bad. And I wanted them to understand and set and agree with me. Now I dropped the ego. You know, I still struggle, but I can definitely get into a place <laughs> much more easily where I can drop the ego, really feel into what's being said to me, and listen with an open heart and, and know that if I do have a point to make, I can't make it in this situation. I have to just be love and then later on we can talk about maybe some of the nuances or anything else that came up or maybe what came up for me and just with because a lot of the time even men that do men's work for example they go away and they can trash their relationships because they're doing all this work and they're not feeding it into their into their real lives into their relationships so I also want to make sure that I'm mindful of that and that I want to help men integrate um all the healing into their real life literally I love that like what happens when two people get together whether it's you know between sisters, brothers, you know, relationships, whatever it is, there is a container that's created. And like what you're talking about here is this sort of mirroring that happens within within any container. And, you know, what's what's really interesting is how containers can either be a space to unconsciously act out unconscious patterns, or it can be a space to grow and actually be open and reflect. And isn't it Peter Crone who says that life will present you with the people and places to show you where you are not free. Here you are in a container and it's not just you and the person in this space, it's you and your ego and that person and their ego. And it's like, you know, you can only go so far. There has to be a a sort of, receptivity of both ends to take down the shield take down the mask and just see each other from a vulnerable place have you heard of authentic relating within couples um maybe in other forms 
uh, not in that exact form, but I just wanted to say Peter Crone is my guy. Like, I, <laughs> I found out about him recently and he is just amazing at articulating the most profound things in the most simplest way. You know, mm-hmm. um, I put up a quote on my Instagram today, actually, that was, that was one of his about the, you know, the true happiness is the absence of the pursuit of happiness. And I truly feel that. Um, <laughs> authentic uh, relating. Literally, I'm not a religious person, but if I was, my religion would be Peter Crone. um but yeah yeah he's he's amazing imagine if he listened to this podcast that would be cool um well authentic relating is is such an incredible exercise and it's something that I've done with my friends and with my partner and it's it's so simple but it is so effective and it's when you consciously sit down with your partner or whoever it is that you want to connect with and you say simple statements like that is related to the present moment. So a statement would be in this moment, as I look at you, I feel like this. And then the other person receives that and then they they respond. So if I was to do it right now, I would say in this moment, recording this podcast with you, Adele, I feel really inspired by your story. And I would say, in this moment, recording this podcast with you, Sarah Jane, I feel incredibly safe. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. You can do this forever as well, but thank <laughs> you. Um, okay, so so I got some other things I want to ask you. So, well, the first thing is, you've done so much work in in what is like a relatively short space of time, right? You know, people do this kind of work for for years and years and years and you've done so much within a sort of short space of time and you've really flipped the script and you've just changed essentially pretty much everything about your your life and that is radical and that is empowering and you know what I'm wondering at this current moment is what's coming up for you recently what's coming up for you since since you started debunking all these self-limiting beliefs and you actually started to connect with men in, is there a theme happening right now that maybe, you know, men might be relating to right now? So the first thing that I felt not relating to men, but relating to myself was an immense amount of guilt Mm. for, because now I can see with that beautiful 2020 hindsight vision with all the healing how I behaved for all these years in all of my relationships, not just the romantic ones, but everything. Mm. Guilt isn't as, as, as much as it was before because I've done some work to, to kind of come to terms with it and forgive myself, but the guilt was real, you know? And I thought that any man that starts to do work on themselves is more than likely gonna reach this point where they feel incredibly guilty for what they've done. You know, I look at my relationships, I feel like I have gaslit, I have, just treated women with the res- not the respect that they deserved. Mm-hmm. No, I was doing it. I didn't realize, you know, um, and that's that's disheartening. It's disheartening to think that I was like that and I did those those kind of things, you know. Um, so that's the first thing that really comes up for me is coming out of the work that I'm doing and have done. Um, but at least I know that I can work on forgiving myself and knowing that everything has happened for a reason and I'm not the same man and that I'm paying it forward now, you know. Absolutely. The patterns that I'm seeing now with men that I work with and the, and the work that I'm doing is men don't want to do it. <laughs> men don't want to do this. Men, you know, uh, 
men are struggling to even, you know, the men that come to my circles, it's, it takes a bit of a push and it's already men that are a little bit in tune with wanting to know more. Mm -hmm. I want to work with the men that don't know they need this. You know, how do I get to the man that is just living a very stressful life, can't hold down relationships, drinking every Friday and Saturday? How do I get that man? It's so true. It's like, there's that that saying, isn't there? Like, how do you reach the man in the white van? Like the one who's on his lunch break, sat in his van, just eating his dinner, like not on any podcast, not on anything. This kind of, this kind of situation. And like, what I, what I truly feel is like, you can only reach the people that you can reach, but there is a ripple there. And it's like the ocean has got a top current and then there's a deeper one beneath it. And, you know, doing what you can and being, you know, your sort of your best in the process, then then that's going to have a ripple effect. And that's and that's the key is raising the consciousness. Yeah. And that's what I can do. And, you know, my, the coaches that I'm working with, are, they told me the exact same thing that you can't help everyone. I know you want to help everyone but you can't, you will help those that are called to you and those that are receptive. And then let's just see what happens, you know? Yeah. Um, that's why, again, I want to stay here because in Dubai, because I feel that like the men here need it. You've got the Arab culture. So you've got a lot of different Arab cultures that, that mm -hmm. come here. Uh, Lebanon, Kuwait, Qatar, Oman, plus the guys that live here in the UAE. And then you've got all the expats that come over and want to live that, that high life. So if I can do the work here, I know that I'll, I'll at least get those kind of men. Um, I can do some changes here and especially also in the workplace if I can make some changes or at least raise some awareness and bring some consciousness to the table I've I'm doing the best I can in that sense absolutely and you know the thing you said about guilt I think is really important and I just want to drop a pin there for a wee sec because it's something that is so invasive and I, I think that guilt guilt can accompany every single spectrum and bit of emotion because you can you can have guilt on anything you can be happy and feel guilty that you're happy you can be living your best life and then feel guilty and you can be in in the depths of depression and feel guilty and it's one of those like weird floating emotions that just circulates and and it's one of those things that can really get into our heads and one thing that I find when I think about past versions of myself that maybe I feel guilty over or I would say ashamed, like shamed that when I was, you know, a young girl, I was got into drugs and alcohol and things like this as well. And that I'm like shaming that part of myself. But the reality is, and the truth is, if it was not for my younger self doing the bad things, much like if it was not for your younger self doing the bad things, you would never be who you are. And like, I know that's a cliche thing to say, but the way it works is you had to experience that and by doing the best in the moment with the level of consciousness where you were at it is the reason you are here so instead of sort of feeling guilty and shaming your past self what you really should be doing I'm not saying you as in specifically I mean in general what we really should be doing is thanking them yeah and I thoroughly believe that the more conscious people are men are and particularly relationships are you're not only healing the wounded masculine and the wounded feminine, you're also healing your younger self because yeah. you're doing the work that they actually needed. Yeah. And I've yeah. done a lot of inner child work and it's, that's, it's been key, you know, and actually what's it's also helped me is because I can now look at my parents as looking at their inner child. Mm. So 
where I used to get really frustrated at my dad for having particular views that he had and being so closed-minded on certain things. And during lockdown last year, um, I was on furlough, so I wasn't working. And he was on furlough, he wasn't working. And we decided to go on a 5K walk every, every morning. And on that 5K walk every morning with him, I took it as therapy time. And I would say, I would just dive into a, to a topic or I would ask him about his childhood. I get to <laughs> young dad. I get to look at him from, from you know, and to see where he came from, to understand him better. And there would be times where maybe I'd race, because I'd still be authentic to myself. And if I didn't agree with something, I would say, come on, that's not, you can't. Where's that, why? And he would go up and raise and get angry and then we'd bring him down and then it would, conversation. So much healing happened in that for myself, for him, for everyone. And I've done the same with my mom. And obviously not so much with my mom, but I can see her from her little girl, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just changes everything. Um, even now I think, look at my partners and think, okay, when they have an argument with me or they're, they're upset about something, what does their little girl want? Absolutely. Let me, let me just go to that little girl and, and speak to that person. Um, that's usually what it is. It just comes down to them wanting to be nurtured, they want to be loved. You know? And I'm, I'm learning to love myself. I'm learning to love the, the little me, you know, the, the guy that didn't get what he needed uh, and be the love for myself and not externally seeking the love or validation that I didn't, that I didn't get. Um, mm, I love that. I love that. I think the most enlightened people on our planet are actually just three-year-old kids like toddlers, you see them, if they hurt themselves, they cry and then it's over. They don't think about self-worth issues. <laughs> it's, so true. it's so true. So if you could give your younger self, your smallest kid, Adil, advice, what would it be? I think I would give advice to a few different versions of myself. The first to my youngest self, um, I would just tell him that he's loved no matter how he is and no matter what he does. Um, doesn't matter what he grows up to be, what he wants to be, how he moves through life, he will be loved, you know, however he is. I was born two months early. I was premature. And my dad would say things to me like, you can't do things like other kids or even as an adult. Don't forget, you're a seven-month baby. I'm like, I don't look like a seven-month baby. Like, Come on, I'm just I'm, I'm a grown man. Now. Leave me alone. But I would make sure that my, my younger self knows that he's nurtured and cared for and that he could be anyone that he wants and there's no there's nothing that will stop him um, except his mind. If he, if he nourishes it and nurtures it, he'll be strong. And for my older, younger self, say, the team, I would say, don't give a shit about what anyone else thinks. Insecurities are, aren't real. Um, they're just a construct made from wanting love from other people. And... Yeah, I used to not. I, I used to not wear shorts, for example, because I had hairy legs and didn't want. I didn't want to get my legs out at seventeen. So it's just shit like, that. like get over yourself. No one cares. Live life. Be happy. You know. Yes, I love that so much. Make it your mantra. Get over yourself. Live life. Be happy. Just get out of your own way. I love yeah. that so much. Mm. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to do with men now. It's like encourage them to get out their own way. What's stopping you? What's stopping you is you. You know. Mm-hmm. We get, I don't know, at what, at what point do we stop being creative and free and we start becoming confined into this box and bubble or a particular box and bubble and that's, we're now boring adults, you know, and it's adult to do the washing and 
and at the weekend and that's how we live our life now and and we've got to talk about bills and and yeah we, we drink wine on a saturday night now because oh the stress like come on like just there's more to life you know yeah. dance go be free go be happy do what you want be real in your relationships yeah. that's another thing i've learned don't suppress what you really feel in a situation especially as men because there's two there's two things one you will if you give in to like or you don't you don't give yourself that permission to be honest and, and talk with integrity about what it is that you want and feel you'll resent the other person eventually for not having expressed what you wanted and then if you go back and start being all funny about it if the feminine or you know whoever's at the, your opposite will end up not trusting you anyway because mm-hmm. they're, they're not even living by your word and that creates this lack of security that decreases the polarity in your relationship it might mean that you the balance between masculine and feminine is distorted then there's okay. no sex industry there's no energy there's no passion dead and it all comes from I feel not being true to yourself it's so true the level of intimacy that you hold within yourself is the level of intimacy you can hold with someone else because we are when we boil everything down simply reflecting yeah I have loved this episode so much Adele you are a beautiful, incredible man doing great things. And just thank you so much for coming on here. Where can our listeners find you? So currently you can find me online, not just a man.co.uk. That's the brand that I've created. Um, and on Instagram, it's Adil Coaches Men. Nice and simple, Adil Coaches Men. Beautiful. And you can find all the information in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Adil. Thank you. Mm, what a great episode right I just love chatting with Adil he's super grounded and easy to talk to and if you thought that episode was raw and real and vulnerable then you're in for a treat if you want to listen to the soul deeper after show it is only available on patreon and you can find the link in the show notes below we after a drink or two dive into the topic of sex and we definitely sound like we're having a sleepover. I was far too excitable after having the crack with Adil for the guts of two hours and as always thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. That is the end of our episode friends. Thank yourself and your soul for continuing to show up and tune in to Real Talk and Good Vibe podcasts like this. Don't forget if you want exclusive access to the Soul Deeper sessions, click the link in the show notes below to become a Soul Deep patron and stay up to date with the show on Instagram. Until next time, remember you are a star wrapped in skin and nestled within your flesh and bones is everything that you need to feel at home.